Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for those teachers. Pray that you bless them and encourage them this summer and refresh them. Thank you for their efforts, their servant hearts, Lord. Thank you for all those who serve here in so many ways. Thank you, Lord, that though life is hard, you are good. We praise you for that. We pray now, Lord, as we look into your word, that there would be open hearts for each of us, that we might listen, draw near to you, and and deepen our faith in you and our trust in your goodness, in your love, in your care for us. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. There's a great fascination in our culture today with aliens. Have you noticed that? There's always been uh, some interest in UFOs and, gee, are there, is there life out there somewhere? And, and, uh, but for some reason, just recently, there's been a great increase in that interest. Part of it is involved in the movies that have come out, Independence Day and others that have portrayed aliens coming, TV shows. And then recently, this cult, Heaven's Gate, that hits a little too close to home. People that uh, are religious that are waiting for aliens to come get them and take them away. And, and uh, there is a fascination and an interest and a wondering about aliens. What, are there really, is there really life out there? Have we ever really been visited by people from other worlds? Well, I'm here this morning to tell you the truth about aliens. And the truth is, aliens have invaded this world from a different place. They've come and they've infiltrated society. Creatures not of this world that have infiltrated every level of government, of work of different places, families all around who are having an influence in other people's lives, scattered throughout the earth, infiltrating society. Who are these aliens? Us. <laughs> Believers in Jesus Christ. That's what the scriptures teach. Yes, there's aliens who belong in another world, and it's us. Turn with me, if you would, to First Peter chapter 1. Last week we began a series in 1 Peter as uh, Chris just gave you an introduction in Peter's life. Now we're beginning, instead of just doing six words like he did, we're going to plow through two whole verses today. (laughs) We're really cruising. (laughs) And in verse 1, Peter says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as Aliens, in my translation. Yours may say sojourners, uh, visitors, strangers, different ways of taking that word. But it really means people who do not belong in a place. Their home is elsewhere, but they reside temporarily in another location. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He says here that we, believers are aliens. We're temporary residents, but our home is really elsewhere. But we don't like that, do we? It feels awkward to not be at home here. It makes us feel uncomfortable, and none of us like to feel out of place, like we don't belong, like somehow, whoa, uh, I don't know how to act here because I don't belong here. I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip 
to Pakistan. I was teaching early one morning a devotional to 60 native Pakistani pastors through an interpreter. And I started talking as I was teaching through a psalm about the enemies they face in that culture, and in particular, the Islamic oppressive culture that's there, the calls to prayer and everything about it is difficult for a Christian living in that culture. And as I described that, there was murmuring among the crowd and talking, and I didn't know what it was. I was speaking through an interpreter, so I waited till I was finished and asked the interpreter, well, why the reaction? They said, well, we believe Islam is an enemy of our faith. But we would never state it in a public meeting. You see, I've since found out that they have a law in Pakistan that if you speak against Islam, that's considered treason and it's punishable by death. (laughs) Well, when I realized that, (laughs) I realized, whoa, I uh, better watch my step. I'm not sure how to walk here. I'm not sure how to live. I don't belong. And it felt really awkward. Well, most of us don't like feeling uncomfortable. We don't like feeling like an alien. We don't like feeling like a stranger that doesn't know how to act. So we work really hard, don't we, to fit. We want to make sure we fit in. We want to make sure we don't feel that discontentment, that awkwardness that makes us feel strange. Ever since we were little kids, somehow junior high is the worst, isn't it? Where you're made to feel out of place and you hate that feeling. You never want to go back to it. My father-in-law was raised in a home in California where his parents spoke only Italian. That's all he knew. So when he went to school, he was despised, humiliated, because he couldn't speak English. And it was difficult for him, obviously, for the rest of his life. When I was in junior high, a group of us were talking, and the fad at that point, fortunately it was very short-lived, but the fad at that time was for the gals to wear maxi dresses, full-length, old-fashioned dresses. Well, the guys, we didn't like that, so we got together and we said... Let's protest. Let's all get together and one day wear knickers to school. They want to wear old-fashioned things. We will too. So we all planned this day. Guess who was the only one that showed up in knickers? (laughs) Guess who felt like I just committed suicide? (laughs) It was horrible. It was a horrible feeling. We hate that idea of the feeling of not fitting, of being the only one that's different, of standing out. So that's why kids today decide they'll be nonconformist. So they all dress the same in a nonconformist way, right? (laughs) Because they don't want to feel different. But Peter tells us that God's plan, he chose us to be aliens, to be different, to stand out, to not fit here. But see, he didn't pick us up and move us to another place. Instead, he left us here and moved our home to heaven. So this world is no longer our home. We don't fit here. Because his life is planted in us, now we're citizens of heaven. And so earth becomes an uncomfortable place. We don't quite fit anymore in this world. Richard Newhouse says this, The Christian proposition is that the discontents You know what that means, the feeling of discontentment. The feeling of alienation. The inability to be at home on the earth. 
Those are all signs of health to be celebrated. For a Christian, it's a sign of health that you don't fit. It's a sign of health that you don't belong. In fact, Jeannie and I were having a discussion recently, and we realized in the last place we lived, we'd felt very discontent in many ways, but we found ourselves really drawn to long for heaven, drawn to depend on the Lord in some powerful ways. We love Boise, and we feel much more at home here. And we began to realize that's kind of scary. Because it's right that we feel discontent, to at least some degree, because we're aliens. We don't belong here. Fortunately, God is stirring things up so that we don't feel quite as at home. He has a way of doing that. You see, we don't fit. And all of you have experienced that to some degree. When I came to Christ in my family, I realized right away that all of a sudden I didn't fit as the only believer. My parents said, well, it's just a fad he's going through. Because I didn't, I didn't fit. I was different. Do you realize how weird you are <laughs> as a believer? You're not a worldling anymore. You're a heavenly being, a heavenly creature that does not belong here, does not fit on earth anymore. In fact, I tell my kids that. I say, if you're going to follow Christ, you need to realize... You're going to be weird. You're just going to be different. And that's okay. Realize that's part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. But so many of us struggle and we fit into the world and we are like everyone else. And we need to really learn what it means to live as an alien. And that's why Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter, I believe, was because he wanted to encourage the Christians in one particular area what is today modern Turkey. He wanted to encourage those believers in these small churches in all these different areas to live differently, to live as strangers in the world, to stand up and live for Jesus Christ in the world. So let's look a little bit what they were like and, and uh, who he was writing to. He says here, He's writing to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, the word he uses for scattered is a word that was used in the Old Testament of the Jews when they were dispersed throughout Babylon and a number of other nations as they were scattered throughout. And then in the first century as they were scattered through various places by the Romans, they were dispersed throughout the world. You see, that's God's plan as well as aliens not to have us clumped together, but to scatter us throughout the world, that we can be lights for Him as He shines through us wherever we are. One of the most powerful things I saw when I was in Israel was visiting the Children's Holocaust Museum. Interesting place. You walk into this building and it's pitch dark. And all you can see is pinpoints of light all over, like stars. And you have to feel yourself your way through. And as you're, as you're going through, over a loudspeaker are being read the names of children that died. And as you walk and you feel the impact of that, you begin to see the significance of every one of those children that died. Every pinpoint of light, every individual 
is significant and valuable and important. And I thought, what a marvelous picture of us. You see, we're scattered throughout the world as believers. But as we're scattered, we're points of light. The life of Christ is in us. You don't see the darkness, you see the light. The little points of light, individually significant, valuable, important. Part of our mission statement here that the elders put together says under evangelism that we're a local local body of believers who gather to grow and scatter to befriend and seek the lost for Christ. We gather to grow and we scatter to befriend and seek the lost for Christ. That's what we do. We're scattered. You see, we're aliens. We're different, but we're scattered throughout the world, not clumped together in one big spotlight that we're all avoiding the rest of the darkness. But the Lord scatters us in your job, in your family, in your home, in your neighborhood. The Lord has scattered you there that you might be a light for Him, that you might stand out so others can see the light that's in you. Then he says, mentions these five provinces, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. As I looked at these different places, we don't know a lot about them, but it's, it is fascinating to me that in these five provinces, there was a whole variety of people. There were fishermen, a lot of farmers, There were little villages up in the mountains. Pontus and Bithynia were places that were protected by the mountains. And though the Romans were over them, they really couldn't uh, control them very well because they were so isolated in so many places. And yet the gospel had come there. There were the, the wealthy, sophisticated urbanites down in Ephesus and Colossae. And the coastal towns down in Asia and Galatia that there were... Uh, big cities where Paul had come and shared his faith, planted the gospel, where Timothy had come from one of those towns. A real variety of people, all kinds of different ethnic groups. You see, that's who Jesus calls to be his. People from all levels of society. People from all kinds of backgrounds and ethnic backgrounds and different groups. God calls all types to come to him. So Peter writes and says, All of you, no matter where you are, you're a chosen child of the Lord, scattered where you are to be a light for him. And apparently there are some very strong churches there. In the uh, book of Revelation, the seven churches of Revelation were all in this area. Some were strong, some were weak, but they were all there. And during this time... When Peter was writing this book, as we, as we study First Peter, we'll see how much of it talks about being an alien, you are persecuted. And I think it's important to understand what was going on in those days. The emperor at that time was Nero. You probably have heard horror stories of Nero. They're probably all true. He was a psychopath. This guy was crazy as an emperor. His mother wanted him to reign, so she had the previous emperor, Claudius, killed. So like like mother, like son, when Nero came to power, he had his mother killed because she had too much power. He had his main rival killed. 
He killed many of the aristocrats and the other powerful people so that he could alone be in control. He had his first wife killed. Then he married another wife, and I wonder about her mental health, (laughs) marrying a guy like that. And eventually she was killed as well. Well, you probably know the story of one day during his reign, there was a huge fire in Rome. Over half of Rome was burned down. And he used this opportunity to uh, create some great building projects in his name so he would look great. He was a megalomaniac. Well, the rumor went around that he'd caused this fire to happen. He didn't want to get blamed for it, so he decided to blame the Christians. This little group of people, this little sect that seemed to be a split off Judaism, but it was somehow connected, but they had no actual authority to exist in the Roman Empire at that time. So he pinpointed them and blamed them for the fire and began some terrible persecutions. As the stories go, he had many thrown to lions and bears and all kinds of wild animals. He had them tortured in all kinds of horrible ways. In his own gardens, he would put them on stakes, pour oil on them, and have them burned to light his gardens at night. He eventually had Peter, the author of our letter, and Paul put to death. And this is the time that Peter is writing to these Christians, before his own death, obviously, but during these times of persecution, to say, you need to learn to be a light, to live as an alien, to stand up and be different because you are, and trust the Lord to take care of you. To live as those with Him, in, as those who have the life of God in you in the midst of difficulty. We think, well, I can't relate to that. Well, I believe the times of greater hostility are coming to those who live for Christ as our morals continue to decline. In those days, Christians just were misunderstood. They were called antisocial because they didn't fit in. They were called atheists, believe it or not, because they didn't worship all the different Roman gods. They only stuck to one. They were called cannibals because they talked about eating the body of Christ and drinking his blood in communion. They were called incestuous because they talked a lot about loving your brother and loving your sister. They were misunderstood on every front. You've probably been misunderstood for your faith as well. It's difficult. What really, though, the question is, is different about us? What makes us different? Is it because we... Go to church on Sundays? Is it because you carry around a Bible sometimes? Is it because you don't swear? Well, is it because you have a fish sticker on the back of your car? Is that what makes you different from the world around you? Is it because you're more moral than everyone else? Well, there's a lot of people who would argue with you and say, well, I've known a lot of people who aren't believers in Christ that seem more moral than a lot of Christians I know. And that's probably true. As God calls us out of darkness and begins to transform us and change us, we often have a long ways to go to learn to trust Him and walk in His life and in His holiness. So what really is different about us? Let me just summarize it. We'll look at what Peter says, but basically what's different about us 
is God is personally involved in our lives. God is in us. It's not because I'm better. It's not because I'm something special other than He is in me. He has chosen to involve Himself in my life and in your life if you're a believer in Christ. And that's what makes you different. Which is a lot. In fact, that's incredible. Notice what what, uh, Peter goes on to say in verse 2. Who reside as chosen aliens, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Notice what he says. The reason you're an alien is because God, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son, Jesus Christ, all that God is, the Trinity, is involved in bringing you, choosing you, calling you out to be his child. What a marvelous, marvelous thing. That's why we're different, not because we're better. Notice what he says here. He says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. What makes us different is that God foreknew you. Now, what does that mean? It really has to do with God's looking into the future long before you were even created, saying, I want relationship with you. It's God's election. Now, that's a theological topic and a difficult one sometimes to understand, but God's election is not, well, let's see, I want these to go to hell and I want these to go to heaven. It's not it at all. I think it's better illustrated by Nicholas and Danelle Ivans, who are soon to go back to China. Those of you who are here in the last couple of years know what they went through to get their little daughter, Camille. They visited an orphanage in China and they saw this little girl that they fell in love with. And they said, we want you to be our child. So they began going through the process of adopting her into their family so they could bring her home. But there was all kinds of red tape, and it took, as I recall, maybe you could help me, well over a year, 15 months or so, we were trying to remember, for them to go through that whole process. But they did whatever it would take, staying in China far longer than they would have and all kinds of things, to be able to adopt her because they wanted her in their family. That's God's foreknowledge. He looked and he said, I want you to be my family. I want to have an intimate relationship with you for eternity. So God's choosing, his election, his foreknowledge is saying, I want you to be with me forever and ever. That's God's foreknowledge. Not because we're special. We're special because he chose us. He didn't choose us because we're special, (laughs) but we're special because he did choose us. So he says, the reason you're an alien, the reason you're different is because God put his finger on you and said, I want you in my family. Secondly, he says, we're different, we're aliens by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Really, all he's saying is that we're different because we are indwelt by the Spirit. The Spirit has come into our lives and made us holy in the deepest parts of who we are, in our spirit, 
He lives. He dwells in us. That's why we're called saints in the New Testament. Not because we do it all right and because we wear robes and are pious and, you know, holy all the time, outwardly. But because deep in who we are, He lives inside us. His light is shining through us. He is in us. We need to learn to walk in the Spirit. We don't always depend on Him. And much of the Christian life is the Spirit sanctifying us from the inside out. Beginning to change us. So we learn to depend on His power and His strength. And be different. But His power is there whether you can see it and feel it or not. I recently was given by my wife a nice gas barbecue. Wonderful. A lot easier than pouring stuff on the briquettes and lighting it and flames everywhere and you wait for 30 minutes and then they go out and then you've got to relight them. You know, that's... (laughs) It's nice to be able to turn it on and the power is there. But I've discovered something. When you have one of those, you have to have propane in the tank. (laughs) Or it doesn't work very well. It looks the same whether it's got propane or not. But it works very differently. And that's really the way we are. You see, we have an empty tank until the Spirit indwells us. And once He indwells us, His life is there. Now we need to learn to draw off His life and depend on it. But it's there. The power is there. It's just learning to turn it on, to depend on Him. To realize nothing from me, everything from Him, is how life is to be lived. But we're different because He indwells us. Not because we look a whole lot different, at least not initially. Now hopefully we're learning to depend on Him. But the truth is, deep in the most significant part of who we are, we are different. We're also different. And we're aliens, He says, because... That you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. We're different because we have a different master than the world around us. Ephesians 2 says this about us before we came to Christ. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. You see, for an unbeliever, the only master they have is the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, and their own lusts. We like to think we're independent. We're not. You're either enslaved to Satan in your own lusts, or you are enslaved to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Master. And that's what's different about us. We have a different master, Jesus himself. Do we always obey him perfectly? I don't. Hopefully I'm growing to, I'm learning to. That's what discipleship is, is learning to grow in obedience to him, to listen to his voice, to the voice of the master, and obey. But that's what's different. We have a new master, Jesus Christ himself. Scripture uses the picture a lot of a slave who suddenly is redeemed, becomes enslaved to someone else, has a new master. And the old, the old master can yell and say, 
Obey me. Do this. And sometimes our flesh does that and Satan will do that. But you know, we don't have to obey because we have a new master. And Peter says, that's what makes you an alien because the world doesn't have the master you have. Someday they'll bow before him. <laughs> but you have a different master now. And then finally, that same master is the one who sprinkles us with his blood. We're different, like the little bumper sticker says, not because we're perfect, just forgiven. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Day by day, we're sprinkled with the blood of Christ. He forgives us. As we walk through life, we get soiled and dirty, and the blood cleanses us. You see, when he died on the cross and you accepted him as your Savior, you received constant forgiveness from him. Nothing you can do can alter his love for you because his blood covers all that you do. There's consequences, yeah, when you choose sin, but you're totally forgiven in him if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You see, we are different as Christians because all that God is, all the Trinity, reached down and did whatever it took to call us out to become a child of God with a new home. We're just here temporarily. We're just here to be lights for Him in the darkness so that others will be drawn to Him. But this world's not our home anymore. We're different because He's involved in our lives, not because we have it together, not because we know it all, not because we're perfect, but because He is involved in our lives. And what a privilege to be able to share that with others. Again, the John Fisher song, I'm just one old hungry beggar showing you where I found food. That's, that's who we are. He's in us. He's with us. We're aliens. We don't fit in the world. Not because we're somehow better, we play church or we do all those things. No, we're different because God chose us. He moved in to our souls and lives inside us as the Holy Spirit. And He's a new master for us, calling us to obedience and forgiveness day by day, minute by minute. So don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to stand out. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Don't be surprised when you don't fit. You shouldn't. You are different because God is in your life. So don't, please, don't pursue comfort and intimacy with the world. But instead, pursue intimacy with God. And Peter ends this little introduction with, May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. You see, it's as we seek intimacy with God that we experience the fullness of the grace and peace that we long for. It'll be multiplied to us as we depend on Him and cling to Him. He is our life now. We don't fit in the world. And trying to fit in the world if you're a believer with God in you is like trying to fit a round peg in a square hole. It won't work. And all you'll experience is struggle and suffering. It's not how we're made to live. So now, let's close in prayer together as we prepare for communion as we rejoice together in what God has done in calling us out, in choosing us, because He wanted relationship with us. Heavenly Father, we 
We thank you. Thank you that though there was nothing really special about us, there is something now because you chose us and you are in us. Thank you for calling us out. Thank you for wanting intimacy with us. Lord, what a mystery that is. We in our weakness and selfishness and self-centeredness and all that we are, you said, I want relationship with you. I want you in my family and I thank you that you called us for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.